up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Hey there, Phil. Hey, Chris. Guess what I did today? I'm going to guess that you went to the park and you slid down a slide. Wow, that's very specific. I did go to the park today, but I did not slide down a slide because they're too hot. Uh, Okay. You do live in a different part of the country, so I can see that being a little bit a problem. Yeah, basically a different world. Now, what I was going to say is that I pre-ordered a book from my favorite novelist and... It doesn't come out until September, which might be when this episode airs. Okay. But uh, good old Anthony Doerr wrote a new book, and it's out. Well, it comes out later this fall, and I, I pre-ordered a copy because kind of a fangirl. Well, we all have to have those things in our lives. That's what makes us human, Until right? you write a book, he's my favorite novelist. I'll get working on it. It's called Cloud Cuckoo Land. Yep, I don't really know what it's about. Uh, it's very ethereal, like many of his novels are. It's going to be uh it's going to be a good one, which is why, Chris, I thought we'd play a little game on this show. I don't think I like your game. How much of, of life do you think are other people just playing games on you? I would say it depends on the day, Phil. Today? I don't know. <laughs> well, let's change that. I don't know and turn it into a, this is definitely one of those days. So, Chris. Philip Daniel. I thought it would be fun to do some terminology on the show because we've talked about some words and we've... We've gotten into what some of those words are, what the etymologies are, and and I'm sure that we'll continue to do that. Those are important. But what if we could just like devote one episode to like, I don't know, like a dozen or so words, terms that are important to our cooking. Some of them I think we've already covered. Some I don't think I even know how to pronounce, so we haven't covered them. But if we're going to talk about terms, if we're going to talk about some of these words that are often French and often above my pay grade... Why not have a little quiz show out of it and have a little fun? Again, I don't I don't think I like your ideas here, Phil, but I don't know if I have a choice, do I? You absolutely do not have a choice in the matter. You're basically Truman. I, I might have a corrupted hard drive in a week or two. You'll just delete this episode. No, don't do that. Did you like the Truman show? Did you ever watch that? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I remember I remember liking it, Phil. It has been quite a while, but I remember liking it. Yeah, it was a good show. And of course, are you saying that you watch me a, when I sleep? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Okay. Like that show is only a good show because he doesn't know. But now the, like you're you're having this coming of age. Well, now, now you know. So you're going to have to play along and I'm going to quiz you. So, Chris, yes, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I'm going to give you a term, some sort of cooking term. We're going to start easy. We're going to get a little bit harder. Some are going to be fairly obvious, but then we're going to go like full on French and you're going to have to tell me what you think it is. So. And some of these I might mention do have some funny spellings because, well, I, I'm not fluent in French. French is an awesome language. I love, love French. Uh, but I might need a little bit of help with this. And so if anyone is curious to know, like, I've heard that word before, but I'm not exactly sure what it's spelled like. Or if you think I'm just flatly wrong, jump over to our blog, which we, we have a blog now. And it's nothing special. It's just like sometimes a little bit of show notes here and there. Sometimes it's, you know, like some additional information that I kind of find when I'm when I'm doing the show notes that I think is relevant. And sometimes it's just some thoughts, some 
inklings that I have here and there. And Chris, you can find that blog at dadskitchenco.com. Great. Well, I'll have to go check that out since I haven't, haven't seen it before ever in my entire life. Great. Okay. Question number one, Chris. This is super easy. This is one that you know, but if somebody's new to the show, they may not know it yet. Mise en place. What's mise en place, Chris? Well, we, we did have a whole entire episode on this, Phil. So I told you I'm going to start. I was hope that I would get this one right. This might be the only one that I actually do get right. You know, it's the the process of preparation, more or less. Maybe even the mindset of preparation, where kind of everything has a place. So it's when you put things in their place. That's right. Yeah, it's a it's a great method of making sure that when you're cooking your food, you have everything ahead of time. You've got all the portions set out ahead of time, so that when you're putting it all together. You know, it's it, it makes it easy. It's just like what the chefs do on their fancy cooking shows. And they seem to make it seem so easy. So, all right, good job, one for one. This was another easy one, but it's it's it comes across in some recipes here and there. Compote. You know what compote is, Chris, right? Sure. I guess I feel like a compote is, yeah, I was going to say like reduction of, I think of like berries, I guess, like reduced. Yeah, often, kind of. often like a... A blueberry compote or a blackberry compote, strawberry compote. Yeah, those are those are very, very common. Peaches is another good one. And I like compotes because it makes for a great topping in and of itself for like pancakes and waffles. And then nothing wrong with syrup or whipped cream, but I don't think you necessarily need those. If you want to mix things up this Saturday morning with your family, try compote. Pretty good. Pretty easy to make. Literally just throwing stuff in a saucepan and cooking it. And sometimes you add sugar. Okay. This next one is really easy. And this is actually what gave me the idea for this episode because you actually described this next one in such an eloquent way. And I'd like for you to do it again. And it's emulsion. So a lot of recipes call for an emulsified list of ingredients or some sort of emulsion. Can you describe what emulsion is? I don't know, Phil. Can you describe what an emulsion is? Well, yeah, I've got my notes. <laughs> I guess to emulsify something is to take two things that don't ordinarily mix well, but it's it's mixing things together. It's incorporating things together. Maybe like an oil and a vinegar for a dressing. Yeah, and often you've gotta you've gotta get a little creative on how you're gonna mix those. You can shake it, you can stir it, you can put it in a bartender's cobbler and mix them up. Yeah. If you wanted to, if you, you wanted could. to. That is, that, is, that is not a bad way of incorporating things. Honestly, even actually just back on the salad dressing thing, uh, like a, a jam jar or a mason jar, if you're making your own salad dressing, that is a really fantastic way of getting something like an, an oil and a vinegar to combine well. Yeah, totally. Good old mason jars. They're actually not Shake just it. like for farmhouse style meals. They actually serve a purpose. Okay, two more easy ones, then we're going to get a little bit harder. This one, I know you know. It's one that I know, but I didn't know how to spell it before this show, and it's a roux. Yes, we've talked about a roux before. She, we've talked about a roux at least five times before. So she is kind of a little bit of a mutt. Actually, we did do like the, the little doggy DNA test on her, and she is a, a border collie husky and chow mix. Yeah. She loves to cuddle. Maybe maybe a little too much. She gets kind of aggressive with it. She'll force herself on you. I always thought she had some wolf in her. So the Humane Society, that's actually where we picked her out from. They give like all the dogs new names there. And the one that they picked out for her was Saber Wolf. Saber Wolf. That's a 
terrible <laughs> name for a dog. Saber wolf. It's just like so lazy, you know? Is that not the rear that you were talking about, Phil? Oh, no, no. But I knew you were going to go there because you'd have a dog named Roo, and that's adorable. But yes, the Roo in terms of cooking, because we don't want to cook Roo. No. She's too good for that. Is basically taking what two ingredients? You take butter and flour, Phil. Butter and flour, that's butter, right. And it's kind of like flour. the basis for a lot of sauces. And the reason I mentioned that we've brought it up at least five times is because we did this whole series on sauces. So if you want to jump back, it was a five-part series on the five French mother sauces, and we talk about roux a lot. So roux-y, yeah, pretty good thing to know how to make. Definitely. And I, and I think that actually, especially when we were kind of diving into that, was popping up everywhere and so many other different recipes, you know, like, and I know that you mentioned mac and cheese and things like that. And I think there were, there were several other recipes that we dove into that had it as well. So it has seen its fair share of uh, airtime in our little podcast world. 100%. One last easy one before we up the stakes. So this is one that shows up probably just as often as a roux. It is very common in a lot of soups and stocks, and it's mirepoix. Would you like to describe what mirepoix is, Chris? Oh, sure, Phil. So a mirepoix is, it's actually, it's considered a flavor base for a lot of French cooking. And it's pretty simple. It's really just carrots, celery, and onions. And so you're going to see that as kind of like like a roux, as like a basic building block for a lot of different recipes. And yeah, you'll, you'll see it in soups and sauces, but you will also see it in a, a wide variety of other French dishes. Yeah, it just packs so much flavor and aroma, and it's just like a really beautiful thing. All right. I believe in you, Chris. I know I know you can do this. So so far you're batting a thousand. Do you know and this is a this is a tricky one with pronunciation, confit. I've had a duck confit. I don't know. Yeah, it's often made with duck. I don't know if I know exactly the process that goes into making it. So confit, and it is often duck, but it doesn't have to be. It's basically meat or poultry that is cooked and stored in its own fat. And that's confit. Okay, so when was the last time you made a confit, Phil? I think it was like 2000 never. Okay. You've made one? You've made it? It's a good memory you have there, Phil. No? It sounds like we need to do an episode on confit. Maybe. I don't think I've had it. I don't think I've eaten it. Was it good? Yeah, from what I remember. I thought it was fine. I don't know. I feel like it was It was really rich. Very, very rich. Kind of fatty. Well, a duck in general is already fatty, so. Yeah, it kind of is. Man, I love a good mallard. Okay, this one's kind of a funny word. I'm like a 12-year-old boy. So uh, macerate. So if you're like the verb to macerate something. Correct. What does it mean? To, <laughs> I mean, since we're talking about mastication. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, obviously chewing things. Yes. What's it means to macerate? I guess more or less mashing. Kind of. You are partially right. I think it ends up that way. It's basically soaking food in a liquid so that it takes on the liquid's flavor. So like if you're going to soak say if you're going to make a stuffing for thanksgiving isn't like i don't know if we're going to jump back over to the confit i guess you could do like a confit turkey or duck since duck is better than turkey and you wanted to stuff that bird you might you might soak the the bread in like some sort of stock so that it takes on that flavor that's that's macerating it's very disgusting you don't like soggy bread phil nope okay should we move on it's going to get harder you ready for this probably Actually, not this one's that's pretty okay. easy because we 
we kind of plugged it on one of our sauces episodes. Um, Did we? But this does show up from time to time, and it's a demi-glaze. See, now it's fun just because I'm going to quiz you on episodes that we've already done. Do you remember what that is, demi-glaze? Vaguely. You're, you're making me remember things that we've gone over, Phil. So I... Is is it is it more or less like a, a sauce velouté that has a like a brown gravy? Yeah, you're super close. It's it's actually the espagnole. It, okay. Yeah, so it's equal parts espagnole and like a like a dark stock. Yeah, that's, I think. that's what I meant. Like a, a brown stock instead of like a, a light stock, like a chicken stock or fish stock. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, like, if if this pops up in a recipe, is the recipe going to just know what you think you or assume that you know what that is? I don't know. Probably not. But it's a fun one. And mostly I like to get inside Chris's head, and I feel like I'm doing that right now. So that's why I threw that one in there. Okay, let's move on. Coolie. I told you these are going to get hard. What now? Coolie. Uh, it's spelled C-O-U-L-I-S, and it's a thick sauce made from pureed and strained fruits and vegetables. I don't think that sounds good. I don't think it does either. What type of fruits and vegetables are you mixing here? I guess I'm just like imagining, I don't know, cauliflower and apples and strawberries. I mean, if we're going to do the, what was the other one we had? Like a compote? I guess I guess you're kind of maybe working in the same family there. I don't know. Maybe not. Half of this is for our French listeners, so... You know, it's to bring him back in. How horrible our pronunciations are. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, all right. This one's actually really hard to pronounce. Amuse bouche. Amuse bouche. Oh, Phil. I do believe that it's kind of ish like a teasing appetizer. It's too. Yeah, it's kind of like an aperitif. Wet the palate to, I don't yeah. know, like maybe intrigue your mouth. Yeah, it's it, it's an appetizer, maybe. Or it actually literally translates to amuse mouth. the mouth. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Did you Google that? No, Phil. No, that was straight from the... I, I know a tiny bit of French. But yeah, I guess when I think of that, I think of like the tiny dishes that a chef at a nicer restaurant might send out early on, even before you've ordered, maybe. All right, bravo. I think you know more French than I do because I totally had to look that one up. All right. We're going to shift languages and we're actually going to jump into some Japanese here. This one's my all-time favorite on the list. I I think you're going to know how to say this or, or rather what this means. Okay. It's called omakase and you can go to a restaurant and you can say omakase and then the server should know exactly what that means at your local Outback or Chili's. Man, we like to rag on, I like to rag on Outback and Chili's. But if you say it to the server, omakase, they're going to go back to the to the chef and then they're going to bring you something. What are they going to bring you? Okay, I don't know if I have ever actually heard that term, Phil. But given the context, initially I was going to say that maybe it was something along the lines of kind of chef's choice. No way. Really? Yes, yeah, I was going to guess. That's exactly right. <laughs> context matters, Phil. But no, I've honestly never actually heard that. Yeah, so if you say omakase, it's it's kind of like a sushi thing. Like you're just you're just gonna leave it up to the chef. And I really want to do this. I mean, well, Ashley and I do do this. Like we'll we'll usually just tell the server to surprise us and pick for us. I think we've talked about that on the show. But I've never I've never like said why don't you go tell the chef and have them pick for us. That's not a bad idea. Sorry, I might have to do that. They, they know what's yeah. fresh. They know what's good today. They know what they want to make. Yeah. And if, if they're invested, yeah. it's probably going to taste better. All right. That was well done. Very, very proud of you, Chris. Here's a fun one. It looks like we're going to jump back to French. It looks like the word manure. And 
it might actually mean that that as well might might mean the same thing but it's actually called or it's pronounced Munier. I feel like you're gonna love this one. Am I? Yes. Okay. So, uh, is, is there any context to this to this word, Phil? When when um, might this word be used? Let's say you're going to make some fried chicken. You might munier the chicken before you fry it. Yeah, I I don't know, Phil. <laughs> no guesses. <laughs> it's to it's to lightly flour and cook in butter. Okay. Yeah. No, I That's would. I, would I don't think I would have gotten that, Phil. I don't think I would have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, especially since you're... Air manure. Yeah. Especially from your initial description there. All right. This one's an easy one. You've talked about this a few times, but the bouquet garni might actually show... Like, this one might actually show up in a recipe or two. Because I feel like maybe I'm getting a little crazy with these. Yeah. I can't say that I've, I've heard that last one ever. Well, thanks for the softball there, Phil, because we have talked about it before. But a bouquet garni is really like an herb bouquet that you might tie together with some twine and toss in a dish like a beef bourguignon. You know, herbs with all of their stems and all, when you prepare them that way, kind of tied together, allows you to kind of fish them out of whatever dish you're cooking a lot more easily. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Okay, I've got one more for you, Chris. This is the last one because because I know you like cheese and I want to end on a cheesy note. This one's going to be your favorite, I can tell. Wait, you do like cheese, right? Uh, no, I'm allergic to it. Okay. So in that case, you might want to jump back to the Meunier. But there's a little thing called raclette, and it involves some cheese, and it's delicious. It More so, it's what a server does with the cheese when you order the raclette. Okay. I got to be honest, I'm not exactly familiar with it, but I'm maybe going to take a guess. Does it involve melting the cheese in order to serve it. Yeah, that's actually really close. Well done. I think you know more French than you let on. Yeah, it's basically when a wheel of cheese is cut in half and then cooked either by, I think it can be cooked on like like some sort of frying pan or with like a blowtorch, honestly. And then like that melty gooey goodness like is like scraped, scraped right off onto of the plate. plate. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've definitely seen it done. You should do that. I just have not heard the term before i can't really think of a reason why i mean other like i think when someone brings you food and like prepares a table side that's just kind of fun so like that's that's probably why it's done but i wonder what happens to that wheel of cheese afterward do they just like keep doing it do they cut off the the charred portions of it and then do it again for someone new i don't know no they probably just throw it away throw it into a big pile of munier start over yeah that's how you keep your kitchen cost low okay well all of these terms were wildly unentertaining uh, but if you're a weird dude or dudette and you want to jump back into these and learn some more uh, i've got some more that i'll put on the blog at dadskitchenco.com and you too can learn french and at that i'm going to give chris some snaps 